0: Well, hey, everybody, welcome to The Crossing today. If you're new around here, maybe somebody texted you an invite or you just discovered us online, I want to especially welcome you. We would love for you to take the first step in getting plugged in to The Crossing community. Well, today, let me start off with this question. Have you ever felt judged for something you had no control over? Years ago, when I was the associate pastor at Canyon Ridge Christian Church, there was a church in the Midwest who was talking to me about being their senior pastor. So they flew out four or five people from their church to speak to me and interview me. And after the service, we all went out for dinner at Outback Steakhouse. So we're around the table and they're asking me all kinds of questions. And then they finally got to the question they had been wanting to ask me. They said, so what do you think about your age? Well, I was 29 years old at the time. Obviously, that was a long time ago. And I just said, well, what do you think about my age? Because you called me, I didn't call you. I can't change my age. Judging, we all do it, and we've all been a victim of it. You see a news story and you would never say this out loud, but you make an assumption based on the color of their skin or their economic status or the political party that they belong to, and immediately you are confronted with your own racism or sexism or classism or just your judgmentalism. At the beginning of the year, we did a series called The Separation of Church and Hate to help prepare us for what I felt like was going to be the most polarizing election of our lifetime. However, a lot has changed in our country since the beginning of the year. And I just began to pray about what I should teach in this season of our church. And I just felt led to put the series that we had planned that I had already started writing I just felt led to put that series on hold and to revisit these topics because I believe this is what our church needs in this current season. I still plan to teach those messages later this fall. But here's the question that we asked last week. Are you willing to put your faith filter ahead of your political filter to be a Christ follower first and a Republican, Democrat, or Independent second. There is so much emotion wrapped around politics. But if we can be a Christ follower first, that will begin to change things in our culture and in our society. This is how the first church changed the world. Well, today, we're talking about dignity. Dignity. Every person has dignity in the kingdom of God. And I want to show you a portion of that message from the beginning of the year that I am praying will help us see our current circumstances through a whole new filter. Christianity. Christianity redefined the value of people, especially the most vulnerable. In the first century, children were not valued. If you had a child that you didn't want oftentimes that would be a girl because they didn't value women if you had a child that you didn't want maybe your child had special needs or maybe you thought that your wife had an affair and so the baby born you know you didn't want it you would take that child to the outside of the city and you would just leave it outside of the gates for the child to die in the first century women were not they were not valued they were considered property the poor were treated like they deserve to be poor. They must have done something to be poor. So you deserve to starve. You deserve to not have your needs met. Racism was not only accepted, it was encouraged. But Christianity turned the world upside down. Jesus came to break down every wall and every barrier that now all people have dignity in the kingdom of God. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 10 that this account that we're going to look at today, it takes place about 10 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And at this point, the only people who are Christians are those who came from the Jewish faith. But in Acts chapter 10, God sends an angel to a guy by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was this commander. And God said, I want you to send for the apostle Peter. The only problem is, is Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a non-Jew, and for Peter, he was born a Jew, he was raised a Jew, and the Jews would never associate with Gentiles. Racism was just part of their culture. Well, at the same time that God was speaking to Cornelius, God was speaking to Peter through a dream, and in this dream, he shows Peter all of these animals that the Jews had considered unclean. It was these animals that they were not allowed to touch, they were not allowed to kill, they were not allowed to eat. And this is where we're going to pick up our story here in Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 13. It says, then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter, have a ham sandwich, have some bacon with your eggs, have lobster for lunch. And then Peter begins to argue with God. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. You can see his self-righteous pride right here. God, I've always been a good Jewish boy. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean, and I'm not about to start now. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this is so confusing to him because he has been taught his entire life that these animals are off limits. But this is not just about food. This is about people. Well, about that time, Peter hears a knock on the door that Cornelius had sent three people to go get Peter and to bring him back to Cornelius's house. But Peter has never stepped foot into a Gentile's house, but because God told him, you go, don't be afraid to go, he went. It says Peter went inside, and he found a large gathering of people. That There was this large room just full of Gentiles. There was Cornelius, this Roman centurion. There was all of his friends and his family. There was women and children. And Peter feels so uncomfortable. And Peter's line is so offensive that it lets you know the struggle he's having trying to accept people that he's always been told not to associate with. He said to them, you are well aware, so this isn't a secret, everybody knows this, everybody knows these rules, these unwritten rules that we all follow by. You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, that as you know, we don't hang out with y'all. As you know, you know, we don't come into your house. As you know, I shouldn't even be here because the religion that he came from was exclusive and excluding. And now he's called to let go of all of that. He says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. In other words, what he is actually saying is, until yesterday, I considered all of you impure and unclean. The crazy thing is, his religion backed this up. His upbringing backed this up. His prejudice backed this up. His political view backed this up. But he has this realization. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. This is a game changer. This is the first time he has ever seen this. God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. See, this is so intuitive to us, that God loves and accepts everyone. But the only reason this is intuitive to you is because you live in a culture that is influenced by jesus that you live in a culture that is influenced by christianity that we have lived in a christian culture well peter tells him about the good news of jesus and cornelius and his family receive jesus and then they are immediately baptized and it is the first time the gospel has reached the non-jews and it took 10 years after the resurrection for this to happen because it didn't dawn on anybody that Jesus was for everyone. The way I see it, there was two conversions that day. There was the conversion of Cornelius and his family, but the bigger conversion was the conversion of Peter and his heart. That Peter would have never accepted Cornelius, but God changed his heart And at this point, you would think that everyone would be happy that the Gentiles are all included. But it's never that simple. And so Peter goes back home, and his Jewish Christian buddies criticize him. So so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. We can't believe that you would do this. Now, here's what he talks about. He says, the uncircumcised believers. Now, some of you, as I just point this out, you're getting really uncomfortable right now. But let me just tell you what a circumcised believer is. This was a Jewish man who used to be Jewish who is now a Jesus follower. That's what this means, that they were followers of Jesus, but they hadn't let go of their prejudice yet. They were Jews first and Jesus followers second. And they criticized Peter. Not only did you go into the house of an uncircumcised man, you ate with them. I mean, what are you doing? Anytime you lead the way in breaking down walls, you will be criticized. Anytime that you build a bridge to someone who is not like you, you will be criticized. And Peter explains what God had done, how God brought these animals on a sheet before him to show him that nothing is impure or unclean that God has made clean, and how God threw open the doors for these Gentile believers to come to Jesus, and they were satisfied, and then they all lived happily ever. Yeah, not so much, not so much, because it's usually three steps forward and two steps back. That's the way it is in our life. That it's a process of letting go of whatever prejudices that you've had. Because for a lot of us, we think, well, I have dealt with this stuff. And then something happens that takes you right back to where you were before. That you have gone three steps forward but two steps back because now you have a story and something has happened to you. Well, fast forward about five years. And the gospel is now spreading throughout the world. The gospel is spreading to Gentile cities and Gentile countries. And the gospel spreads to a city called Antioch. Antioch is a multicultural, multi-ethnic city. It's about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And in Galatians chapter 2, the apostle Paul begins to confront Peter over going back into, taking two steps back to where he was before. It says, when Cephas came to Antioch, Cephas is just the name of Peter, but this is just an Aramaic. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Now, when the Gentiles started becoming Christians, there was this thought that you had to become Jewish first. After all, Jesus was Jewish. All of the earliest followers were Jewish. And so they thought that you had to adopt these Jewish customs to become a Christian. Well, James, and maybe you don't know this, but James right here is the brother of Jesus. James was like the senior pastor in the church in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was the headquarters of Christianity at this point. And so he sends this contingent of Jewish Christians to go check this out. Go find out what's happening in the Gentile world and then just come back to report. Well, when they show up, Peter is completely intimidated by these guys. It says, But when they arrived, he began to draw back, Peter began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas, he's a hero in the Bible. Barnabas is known for encouraging people. He is the encourager. And Paul is saying, even Barnabas was led astray because Peter started pulling back. Barnabas was led astray. See, Peter, he was eating bacon and pork chops with all of the Gentiles. He was all hanging out with them. And then some of his buddies from the old neighborhood show up. And they're like, Peter, you're eating with them? You have got to be kidding me. Peter is so intimidated by them He pushes his chair back from that lunch table and leaves the lunch table of all the Gentiles and he goes back to the lunch table with all of his Jewish friends. Now you would think Peter, who is known as the Rock, you would think that the Rock would not be bothered by criticism. He would not be intimidated by criticism. But he stops associating with the Gentiles. And so the Apostle Paul confronts his sin. And he says, when I saw... Um, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all of them, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Here's what Paul is saying. It's like, you were fine hanging out with the Gentiles before. You were fine eating bacon with them in the mornings with your eggs. You were fine, but then... Your Jewish Christian buddies show up, and you want now the Gentiles to conform to you. You were fine eating with them until you're criticized. Now you want them all to act like Jews. He says this is not in line with the truth of the gospel. You are going back on the racism of your past. You are not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Because what Jesus did is Jesus broke down every barrier between every person. You see this over and over again in the life of Jesus. But if you look at John chapter 4, where Jesus approaches the woman at the well, he breaks down every single barrier. He breaks down the racial barrier. He breaks down the classism barrier. He breaks down the sexism barrier in this one encounter with the woman at the well. Jesus broke down every barrier, and if you are a follower of Jesus, the gospel demands that you do the same thing, that you have a higher calling, that you answer to Jesus. So later on in Galatians, Paul wants to make it very clear that in the kingdom of Jesus, there is no Jew nor Greek neither fee, neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul wants to make this very clear, that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, that the Jews and the Gentiles, they hated each other. If you were Jewish and a Gentile person walked into your house, you would burn your house down because it was considered unclean. Paul is talking about racism here. Then this next one, we're like, duh, but this is revolutionary. He says there's neither slave nor free. There's neither slave nor free. He's talking about classism right here. See, slavery in the ancient world was not like slavery in the United States. Slavery in America was all about racism. It was about the color of skin. But in the ancient world, it was all about the rich and the poor. That if you miss your house payment they will take your house and your wife. If you miss your payment on your oxen that you use to plow your fields, they will take you and your oxen. See, this is all about classism. And then Paul says this. He says, nor is there male and female. This is sexism right here. This is what he's talking about. That women were considered property. And Jesus comes along and he blows that out of the water that in this new kingdom, in this new value system, men and women have the same dignity and the same standing. That Jesus, what Jesus did for the, for the dignity of women, it is extraordinary. Let me just tell you. I don't know why every woman would not want to be a follower of Jesus for what he did for the status of women. He did more than any other person who has ever walked the face of the earth for women. And Paul says, none of those walls exist anymore. None of those boundaries exist for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, you have no idea how disruptive this was, that men and women have equal value, that rich and poor have equal dignity, that every race and every culture are on equal footing, that we are one in Christ Jesus. If we are going to be in step with the truth of the gospel, it may mean confronting some things in your life and your politics. Just as God wanted to change Peter's heart, I'm wondering if God wants to change some hearts today. So what do we do? Like Peter, we must tear down a wall and build a bridge. See, the first part of this is we need to tear down a wall. You have to confront your own prejudice. Peter said, I now realize that God does not show favoritism. See, here's the the problem with this. Almost none of us would say that we're prejudiced. We would say, I'm not prejudiced. I just call it the way that I see it. So let me define prejudice for you. Prejudice is just prejudging. Do you ever prejudge someone even though you know nothing about them? See, it's pretty easy to accept people who are like us, but it's a completely different story to accept people who are different from us. If loving one another is the highest value in the kingdom of God, then you have to have the courage to identify your prejudices. Here's the second part of this. It's to build a bridge. It's not enough to just identify your prejudice. We have to build a bridge for Peter. It was one thing to confront his feelings of racism. It was quite another to go into the house of Cornelius, we have to intentionally build bridges. So how do we do that? We must engage in the conversation. This is what Peter did. He engaged in the conversation with Cornelius. This doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything, but you listen with respect. Look at what Peter himself writes in his book that he wrote to the early Christians. He says, Show proper respect to the people who deserve it. That's not what it says. Show proper respect to those who agree with you. Show proper respect to those in your political party. Now, that's not what it says. It says, show proper respect to everyone. To build a bridge, we engage in the conversation respectfully. Respectfully. And second, to engage in the community. My sister-in-law says it like this. She says it's hard to hate up close. When you begin to be involved in people's lives, it changes everything. This is not a minor issue. It is at the heart of the gospel. And how we treat other people is at the very heart of God. Jesus came to bring reconciliation between people. You see, this is not just a cultural issue, this is a spiritual issue. And this is something we have to face in our own hearts. The gospel compels us to confront injustice, to build bridges to different places because every person has dignity. Every person matters to God. Now let me make some of you uncomfortable for a minute. Here's where I've just come to be in my life is that I am for the way of Jesus. That means that I can be against police brutality and for the brave men and women in our law enforcement. I can be for peaceful protests and against violence and riots because this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You see, when we come together, we break down the walls of racism and sexism and classism. We break down the walls of Republican and Democrat because this is what it means to be in step with the gospel of Christ. I want to show you the verses the Apostle Paul writes before the scripture that we read earlier, before the scripture where he says there's no Jew or no Gentile, no slave, nor free, male, nor female. Here's what he says in Galatians chapter three. He says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. That we are all children of God through faith. And if you've been baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourself with Christ that you are a Christ follower first. And the way that we give dignity to other people reflects Christ to our world. Let me just close our time together right now just by praying. And so if, you're, if you feel comfortable with it, would you just close your eyes? And maybe it's just a time for you just to reflect on your own life. Maybe to deal with some things that have been in your heart that God needs to begin to clean out. Let's just pray together. God, we thank you that Jesus came for all people. He came for all people. And for all of us who are followers of Christ, for all of us who have been baptized into Christ, we have clothed ourselves with Christ, which means we have given up our right to have it our way. That we are a Christ follower first and foremost in our life. And so God, if you need to do work in us, would you do that now? Would you clean out whatever area of our heart that we've let darkness take over? Would you help us to be people that show dignity to every single person, whether they agree with us or not? And so we lay all of this at the feet of Jesus. Amen.